So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast. I, I don't even know what episode it is anymore. I'm not keeping track. We're, we're in the post-episode world right yeah. now. This yeah. The first post-episode podcast in the history <laughs> of podcasts. <laughs> we're going to set a trend. That's right. <laughs> but welcome back. Glad to have you. Thank you to all of our faithful listeners. Um, and the unfaithful and ones. And the unfaithful ones, too. You feel free to send your your uh, complaints to uh, Jer at uh, losemynumber.com. We'll get right back to you. <laughs> we'll get right back to you. <laughs> no, for real, though, actually, if you do want to reach out, uh, I'm uh, Jeremy at thedominionpodcast.com, and you've got Alex at thedominionpodcast.com. Feel free to reach us, uh, reach out if there's something you think we should uh, improve on, or maybe something we said that we shouldn't have said, or something we need to talk about that's mm-hmm. really important. Yeah, uh, let us know. Yeah, yeah, we could use some more criticism in our life. I'm just surrounded by yes men. That's the problem. Everybody's just always talking about, oh, Jeremy, <laughs> you're just so tall and handsome. You know, you're so good at drinking coffee. You need so you need a reality check. I know. <laughs> Just need somebody to take me down a peg or two. <laughs> well, I'm not that guy. Oh yeah. How you doing? Good. Yeah. Good. Well, we're all caught up. So <laughs> I've had a pretty good week. Good. You know? A little challenging at work a couple of days, but uh it's been good. And yeah. it's always good to be here. We're recording this on Friday. I don't know when we're planning on releasing it, but hopefully uh, Monday. We're going to try and get our pods out on Monday. If you follow us, uh, Dominion Press, you can subscribe. You'll get at least two weekly articles, and you know we have a podcast for women that goes out. And our podcast, we want to start sending it on Monday because we have articles that go out on Tuesday and Thursday. So we're getting someone to help with the. Uh, editing and stuff so that can happen so we want your week to start right and that means starting with us (laughs) (laughs) if we could say so or we could just ruin your week altogether we'll see (laughs) but you could recover the next day with that's right with a better podcast (laughs) but uh yeah, yeah so if you in case you don't know we have a conference coming up february 8th february 8th to 10th in peterborough and uh, I think this is the last week the registration is open. So if you've been, I, there's honestly still people who talk to me who say they're coming and who have not registered. So if you're one of those. Seriously, do it. Just do it. Yeah. And um, and uh, yeah, we can put a link again in the description, the show notes. Um, but we're going to have a great lineup of teachers helping us think through what it means to build. And our heart mm. behind this really is it, coming out of a, a time of a lot of conflict, we want to present a positive vision for the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And that is to do all things to the glory of God. And that means to put our hand to the plow where the Lord has us in the home, in the church, in business, uh, in the public sphere, wherever that is, 
Uh, We're called to take dominion. We're called to be fruitful and multiply, to be productive uh, people for God's glory. So we want to explore that. And we're bringing in some faithful builders as well, Pastor Jacob from Trinity, Pastor Aaron from Harvest, and uh, Pastor... Breakout speakers, uh, Josh Mills. Yeah, Pastor Josh is coming from Trinity. And uh, we've got a a regular, semi-regular guest, I think we've had twice, is uh, Jonathan Wellum. Okay. Have we um, had Jonathan on twice? I thought we, oh, maybe his brother. Yeah, we had both, we had Wellums on twice. But we, Jonathan's welcome to come back. Yeah. We'd like to have him. And then we've got some breakage for women. So this is another thing. If you thought this was just for guys, um, you would be mistaken. So we've got a couple breakage for women building in the home and building through brokenness. A member of our church is giving that one as well as on top of Beck. So we hope to see you there. And uh, hopefully we can learn together and help each other in the task that the Lord's given us to build. Yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. There is a lot of work to be done. And uh, it's easy to get overwhelmed. We think about kind of where we're at, where we'd yeah. like to be. Um, but uh, that's just, uh, this is where we are. Yeah. So we don't have to, you know, we don't have to conduct the train all the way to the end of the line. We yeah. just got to get it, you know, a couple miles down Yeah. and let somebody else take over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so today I thought in light of that and the Lord's um, call on his people to take dominion and to build, uh, I thought we could talk about what it means to work in and through weakness. And um, there's kind of two reasons I want to talk about this. One personal and one uh, maybe a cultural thing that I'm, I'm seeing Start with the cultural. Uh, I've noticed that a lot of, um, I wouldn't, I, maybe I shouldn't say how many, but it seems to be one of the ditches in the camp of people like us mm-hmm. who rightly, I believe, recognize the biblical call to take dominion, to, um, you know, think through what it means to live under the reign of Christ in every area of life, uh, recognizing that there's no, um, inch of creation over which Christ does not say mine, right? This is the Kyperian position. We believe that is the the faithful position. Um, there's a lot of, ex- I, I think, excitement in this camp, in our tribe, uh, when you find your purpose, right? When you realize yeah. like, hey, the Christian life is more than one hour a week singing and listening to something, that actually my whole life has meaning and every moment of it uh, in as much as I live it to the glory of God and realize that their families and their businesses and their education and their kids' education and their um, church involvement, all of these things, their their public engagement, uh, their interaction with their neighbor, all of these things are part of God's will for their life. Uh, people are excited to have a vision. But I think that one of the ditches is um, that there's there can be an emphasis on strength. There can be an emphasis on the things that we do, which is good, but sometimes at the expense of recognizing that it is God who works and wills for his good pleasure. Right. I guess you could see uh, a, an example of this in the, the kind of bodybuilding trend a lot yeah. of guys are getting into, and it's like not commenting on whether it's good to 
keep your body fit. Of course, yeah. of course it is. Of course it is. But you see that it's like people latch onto that uh, and they go whole hog on it. Yeah. Yes. And I think you've hit on another a nerve that with men in particular, our cultural our, our culture encourages literally from like kindergarten, docile, compliant, weak men. And a clip went viral this week of Sean Strickland, um, who's an MMA fighter, being interviewed in Toronto by a journalist, a Canadian journalist. And he goes off on this journalist as a uh, weak man who is the source of society's problems. And his analysis, I think, is correct. That there's a kind of man who is not only physical weak, although physical weakness is, I think, a manifestation of a moral weakness as well. All things being equal, like obviously illness, and I'm going to get into this, things we can't control, genetics, like, of course. But um, there's a the weakness of men does not lead to good results. Everyone suffers when men are morally weak and when men are physically weak, right? So we want to emphasize strength, and I think that our tribe does emphasize strength. Um, but we need to be careful because there's a kind of human pride in one's own strength that is act- will ruin our building project, mm-hmm. will actually help us not to build. And if anything, we're going to build Babel. We're not going to build yeah. the, the, the kingdom of I God mean, like- or... Samson is a great example yeah. of this, yeah. right? And he completely relied on himself. Yes. But at the end, when he has that that moment of, uh, I guess you could call it repentance, um, you know, he's relying on the Lord, and yet it's still his strength that is, yes, to some degree, you know, bringing yes. the victory. Yes. Right. But there's still a humility, and so maybe that's what we're going to touch on: is like how do we how do we n- emphasize? Uh, things in the right order and the right proportion mm-hmm. and the right relation to God's strength. Yes. Yeah. And so that's what we want to talk about. And the reason I've been thinking about this more personally is, you know, and I mean, a lot of people who know me in person know that the the last two years of my life has been a total train wreck as far as health goes. I mean, it began with my hospitalization you know, really almost dying in the hospital and ICU. And coming out of that has been periods of strength, physical strength, uh, characterized as, you know, followed by periods of weakness. And and it kind of was exacerbated and climaxed close to Christmas time. I ended up back in the hospital again. And, you know, long story short, dealing with neurological issues um, which are completely debilitating, and especially in in my line of work, which is you know a knowledge based profession, for lack of a better term. Like you have to be able to um, give thought to things, to be mentally present, you know, and uh, to deliver a sermon every week. And basically, I found that the kind of weakness I was suffering through is a kind of weakness that makes my duties really, really difficult. Mm. And um, I have recently been thinking for the first time, I'm, I'm only 37, in case you don't know me. Like, I'm not old, but I'm not, I'm not well. I'm not healthy. And um, there's a lot of people in a lot worse conditions, but nevertheless, it's, it's been a struggle. So I've been thinking personally for the first time of, what if, what if this is a normal 
Now, I'm not giving up on uh, doing the things I need to do to get strong and to be healthy and to be able to carry my load as best that I can. So I'm not talking about passive and sinful resignation to things. Mm -hmm. But I'm just talking about a humble acknowledgement that um, there are things that I cannot control. And my duty is not to constantly uh, pursue a strength that might be out of my grasp, but rather to make sure that moment by moment, even in my weakness, that I'm depending on the strength that God supplies, and I'm living faithfully, whether I'm weak or I'm strong, whether I'm in plenty or I'm in want, right? And that has been hard for me because I think at most stages, what I tell myself is I look forward to the recovery. So, I mean, I've been I've been literally bedridden for a lot of the last six months. And um, what I do is I think about what's it look like when you're up from here? What's it look like to get to the next thing? And I realized that I wasn't really thinking through, what if you stayed here? Now, I fully anticipate, just so listeners aren't you know overly concerned, I fully expect to to kind of move towards normal. Like I'm moving in a good direction and I, I anticipate it going that way. But I just realized a deficiency in my own thinking that I wasn't allowing for the kind of weakness that so many of God's people are characterized by, people in my church even are characterized by, and people in scripture are characterized by in my outlook on how to be faithful. Mm. And this to me is a, it's a major oversight. And what I'm going to talk about today is kind of, it's kind of a meditation on these things from Scripture and hopefully a conversation between us. Like, what does it look like to be, to pursue strength in as much as you're able, but to acknowledge your weaknesses and as strong as you ever are physically or mentally, you're always weak. Like the strength of, you know, the strength, the weakness of God is stronger than the strength of men. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So... Um, that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, I thought I would just read from 1 Corinthians um, verses 18 to 31 to kind of open up this. Sure. And maybe we could comment on this text and some lessons here. Um, 1 Corinthians 1, 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and a folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. I just want to make a comment on this part here, because this is important for our time. Um, my understanding of a, the story of Scripture 
is that Christ is absolutely going to conquer the nations, that that is the purpose of his death and resurrection. And, um, you know, the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And uh, I have a category for great tri- for great triumphs and trials in that time. So you could go through even extended times of suffering and persecution and bleakness on your way to there. So I don't see this as a, a joy ride to the end kind of thing. Um, but I do think that Christ will conquer and that he's going to use his people as part of that plan. All There are things that we will not participate in that only Christ upon his return can. You know, the last enemy is death. Only Christ can destroy death. Um, we need resurrected bodies uh, and only he can give those. He's going to make the world new, an entirely new creation. Like there's things that Christ will do upon his return that we don't participate in. Yes. But sometimes I think, um, and there's a bit of a misunderstanding here, we need to realize um, that Christ has done what he has done in the world largely through weak people, Hmm. largely through powerless people. It is wrong, and I think our tribe makes this mistake. We look at the success of Christendom, let's say. Let's just say the West, and now which is declining. Let's look at the, um, say the say the British Empire, uh, or say at the Reformation. Let's start at the Reformation and the consequences of that on Western culture. And the from we're talking institutional level consequences down to your average person and their life consequences. And we're talking economics, we're talking morality, we're talking legal, political, technological, education, all of it, okay? So much was impacted as the Word of God exploded from pulpits into the world. To deny that or to deny that that is a consequence of the Word of God is just, it is, it is ignorant to the point of culpability, or it is disingenuous, Mm -hmm. okay? But looking back at that, it is wrong to look at the point where Christians, or say the gospel, influenced to the point of power, to think that it is by power that we got here. Yeah. That is historically wrong, and that is theologically wrong. I mean, I'm reading about, um, I'm reading uh, A Puritan Hope, And one of the things he's talking about is just the expectancy of the Puritans. And this is before they came over. This is back when they were persecuted, too, that God would work when they preached. Now, did they know if God would work? No. Did they know that it's in God's hands, whether something happens? Sure. Could you be mobbed or thrown in prison? Yes. But when revival broke out through the preaching of God's word and the prayers of his people— and we're talking like almost entire villages converted all over the place. And the moral landscape so radically altered through genuine conversion as a response to the gospel, they weren't surprised because they're like, this is what God does. But my point I'm trying to make in this, speaking of weakness, if you actually read about what happened in these early stages, um, often, like we read about Charles Spurgeon, do you know the deacon who preached to him? Mm. But without that guy, there's no Spurgeon. Yep. So we learn about Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, and the Metropolitan Tabernacle, and we think about tens of thousands. But, but even then, it's like, what 
earthly power did he have? Yeah, no earthly power. But, but even yeah, yeah, he was still considered by Karl Marx to be, you know, the most dangerous man. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, Marx Marx hated Spurgeon. Wow. Yeah, because he saw that this is the antithesis to my, mm-hmm. you know. But I yeah. think even with Spurgeon, though, yes, it is all God's work through him, and he knew this, and his preaching and his theology writing make this plain. Spurgeon is one of the most gifted human beings probably to walk the earth, like photographic memory, a book a day kind of guy. You can just see in his sense of humor. This guy's wit is off the charts. I mean, I, the first time I ever read anything from Spurgeon was in Knowing God by J.I. Packer in the introduction. And I read which, the quote, and I had the thought, that's one of the most profound things I've ever read. And I think pa- Packer followed up with, this is like 16-year-old Spurgeon or something. Like it was, It's like, okay, there's levels. So yes, humble, but I think similar to Paul, that this guy is, at the same time, He's he is a freak, most educated man in the ancient, one of the most educated people in the ancient Near East, obviously gifted scholar and all of these things. But before, um, before Spurgeon was a guy who had to get up and preach because a preacher didn't show up, and it wasn't a preacher. I think he was a deacon, and it hmm. might have just been the facilities guy. He got up and and preached, I think, from Isaiah, and Spurgeon was converted. But God worked through this guy who was in total weakness. He had enough wherewithal to get up there and just, oh, here's what God says, you know? But but we should see that this has always been the story. Not many of you um, were powerful. Not many of you were wise by worldly standards. Not many of you were of noble birth. Like, just keep in mind, God is going to conquer this world, but it's not going to be through the strength and the power of men. And and that is and the way that he conquers is to demonstrate that, as Paul goes on to say, so that as it is, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. The point I'm trying to take away is um, God is doing his work, and we are called to participate in that in as much as we are. He is doing his work in a way to magnify his strength and to magnify his power and to magnify his wisdom. And one of the ways, the best ways to do that is to do magnificent things through weak people. Mm-hmm. That is a built-in feature. And I realize as I'm laying in my bed that I'm waiting to get strong, to be productive, to be fruitful, to be useful. Okay? Yeah. Um forgetting that God can use God can use my prayers in on my pillows uh, as much as he can use my preaching with great vigor right mm-hmm. like my the best sermon I've ever given with the most unction uh, ever is is still nothing like apart from God working it's nothing yeah um, I'm just reminded of this section in Deuteronomy uh, where there's the call to not forget um to not forget the lord as they go mm-hmm. into the land mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. take care lest you forget the lord your god by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which i command you today this is chapter 8 uh, verse 11 here lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied then your heart will be lifted up and you will forget the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the house of slavery 
who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness. Anyway, there's just this passage that goes on to say, like, you're going to go in, you know, you're going to you're going to start building something. You're going to gain wealth and all this. But mm-hmm. don't forget that mm-hmm. it's not you that's that's done this. Thing, yes. Right. And it's a constant proclivity of sinful creatures to ascribe to themselves things which should only be ascribed to God. I mean, in him we live and move and have our being. Um, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Like, literally, if I was to pull, you know, a, a 750-pound deadlift and, you know, press 450 pounds and, you know, squat 600, even my strength is supplied by his strength, yep. by virtue of him being the creator of the universe and me being a creature. And so the most strength that we could ever muster up is never independent from God's power at work in us. And this is true phys- for all of creation, everyone. And this is especially true of the work that we do um, for God's glory. Yeah, and I mean, there's like, there's like a, a paradox here too, like in the First Corinthians passage you read. Um, it's talking about, God makes foolish the wisdom of the world and the strength of the world. It's like we're not called to be to be unwise. Yeah. We're still called to be wise. Yeah. But the point is that it's got to be in the right proportion and like you can be wise and humble at the same yeah. time. You know? Yeah. So that's one of the distinctions I wanted to make is the difference between the world's wisdom and power and Christ's wisdom and power. Because Paul actually contrasts these in this passage. And it shows us that the line that we're to draw is not between, you know, um, wisdom and strength, and we're supposed to be foolish and weak in one sense. Mm. So I I do want to talk about that. It says that he um, chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And the operative word here is a phrase is in the world. Okay, think about that. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So the wisdom of God in this passage is not the same thing as the wisdom of the world. Uh, It was in the wisdom of God, Paul says, the world did not know God through wisdom. But then we see that Christ himself, in verse 24, is the wisdom of God. Mm -hmm. So the wisdom of God, which is manifest climactically in Christ, uh, is of a different nature than the wisdom of of the world. So Paul uses the phrase according to worldly standards. And this is the yeah. key. So uh and he does the same thing with the power of God is different than uh in in a worldly sense um than the power that the world considers right powerful. And is this is this the contrast you think that Jesus is talking about when he ta- when he when he talks about my kingdom is not of this world? Like is this essentially what he's saying? Um, or do you think there's something else going on there as well? I think that particular passage, I'm not going to comment on because my mind is just going, there's a there's an exegetical... So when he says not of, the question is, what do you mean of? And there's a, a debate about whether he means it by nature or whether he's talking about um, its source. 
Right. So I won't comment on that because um, I'm not quite sure about that. But this, this is definitely talking about two kinds of power, two kinds of wisdom. And I think the the power here is the what the world considers power. We see in in two ways. One, it's manifest in specific signs that ju- that the Jews seek. Verse twenty two, um, in political power or influence. Verse twenty six. So what the world sees as powerful is if you can do this powerful sign, right? If you if you perform this sign that we that we think is a manifestation of strength. But those people overlooked the resurrection, mm-hmm. which is manifestly a, a sign of strength. But that could, but that's because they didn't want to see it. And the other kind of power is a power that the world recognizes is political or influence. That could come from wealth, whatever it is. You don't have to be a politician, but I just mean that kind of power. The influencers, the ones who have authority over us, this type of thing. But the power of God is a different kind of thing. And it can be manifest in our weakness, as Paul says. So you don't need to perform signs that they're looking for or to ascend to some class and have a level of influence in order to be powerful as God wants you to be, Right is, is what the, one of the points Paul's making. Hmm. So there's a kind of wisdom and a kind of power that are not really wisdom and power according to the world. Um, and we need to think about that. So we need to differentiate practically between worldly strength and weakness and godly strength and weakness. Uh, the world wants us, in one sense, to be weak morally, to be weak physically, to be weak in godliness, and to be strong in worldliness. And God wants us to be strong according to His standards and weak according to the world's standards. So the world, the flesh, and the devil are tempting us constantly to seek strength in ourselves and not from God. The devil is completely happy for you to get your PRs up and never pray. The devil is totally fine for you to, you know, go past a thousand pounds and to, uh, you know, wake up at 5 a.m. and do your cold shower and, you know, put in your routine and lose body fat and to never pray. And because if you think that that's what makes you a strong man, that that's sufficient, mm-hmm. it might be necessary, but it's not sufficient, uh, then you're you're just in a level of spiritual weakness and uselessness to God and to other people um, that the devil's happy with. So you see a lot of this in the kind of manosphere response to our culture's despisal of men. The kickback is not pretty either. There's, there's some part truths here that we shouldn't just be docile, passive, compliant people. But what they consider strength, you know, you think about um, sexual promiscuity. Like a lot of these guys yeah. think it's about money, which is worldly power. Yeah. It's about sexual promiscuity. It's about physical strength. It's like, this. these are just the old gods. Yeah. Like, that's like, don't worship this pagan God, worship this pagan God. It's like, how about they all suck? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't like that one for this reason, and I agree with you that we shouldn't worship him. I'm not about, you know, the God of war either, you know, because he's a corrupt image of ourselves too. And I think Christians need to step in and have an answer and say, look, we need to pursue strength 
Um, training, physical training is of some value, Paul says, mm-hmm. but training in godliness is of eternal value. So there needs to be a hierarchy here. And I would say most importantly, a name. Right. It's like, why, why do you lift weights? I mean, and the reason why is pretty obvious because you can't, uh, I mean, you can't create moral people by, with, by getting them to lift weights. No. Right. But you can create moral people by yourself being righteous mm-hmm. and godly and faithful mm-hmm. and raising up other generations of godly, faithful people. Yeah. Right. And that's what changes. Like when we talk about change, we're talking about, okay, how do we, how do we change this perverse, wicked, corrupt culture of ours? Well, it's like, well, we can't, not with the sword. Mm-hmm. But if if those are the problems that we're trying to fix, then you have to fix it with God's answers. Like, yes. it's got to be righteousness. Yes. It's got to it, be rebirth. It's got to yes. be prayer. the Holy Spirit working through us. So yeah, prayer, for sure. Yeah, you can't, you can't fight the enemy with their tools. And Paul actually says that in, explicitly in Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor right. of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So the, the message of scripture is not be weak or be strong. It's acknowledge your weakness as a creature and be strong in the strength that God supplies. That's what it is. Yeah. And be physically strong. The glory of a young man is his strength, Proverbs says. Um, that men are used to meant to use their strength and uh, their physical strength for the good of other people and the glory yeah. of God to be sure. Um, so I think all of these things, what I'm kind of pushing for, as much as we do need to pursue the right kind of strength, physical strength being one of them, we need to be, we need to acknowledge our weakness. And this is something, I don't know if you want to comment, like, I have not seen many, um, evangelical leaders, like, you know, internet pastors, people you listen to acknowledge their weaknesses. Like the guys I can think of that have been the most influential, not just on me, but say in the Reformed evangelical world, I don't really know much about their weaknesses. And I'm not saying that I need to know, like someone needs to confess to the internet or something, but I just think part of setting an image, being um, a worthy imitation, someone worthy of imitation, is someone who's worth imitating in their weakness. And Paul very plainly, mm-hmm. uh, he can flex and say, yeah, if, if I'm going to flex, I'm out of my mind to do this, but I'll flex on you. Like, this is my pedigree. I'm, yeah. I'm the best. But all of this I set aside that I may gain Christ. Yeah. Um, Paul's not afraid yeah. to say, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And I, I guess I don't have too much to comment on the internet side of things, but I, you see this in the local church. Yeah. People who are unwilling to follow leaders who have expressed weakness or, oh, they, they didn't handle this situation well. And then, you know, there's like, you know, just this idea that that person can't be trusted because yeah. they've, because they've messed up or shown weakness. It's like, yeah. did they repent? Yeah. Yeah. That's what you care about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think one of the difference between heroes and worthy imitations is that heroes can have no faults. You know, they say, don't meet your heroes. Yeah, yeah. It's like... It's very true. It's true, (laughs) but it's also why you shouldn't make... You shouldn't really have heroes. You should have godly people that you respect and you seek to imitate. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not because you think they're perfect. It's because they're humble. 
It's because they're humble before God. It's because they confess their sins and they repent when they need to. Um, in other words, the people who are most worthy of imitation are those who are open about their weaknesses mm-hmm. and instruct you how to embrace yours. Mm-hmm. And by weak, I don't mean being morally weak. I mean acknowledging our limitations. Yeah. And even in even in kind of our rebuilding process, um, it's like we just naturally as humans want to follow men with huge followings. Yeah. We want to follow guys who have massive social media followings or written books or and I'm mean, like even this week, I don't need to name drop because he's been otherwise really helpful, but a, a very well-known reform preacher came out and absolutely whiffed a question about transgender weddings and gave some totally unbiblical counsel on this. And it just had me thinking, it's like, yeah, people need to be more connected to their local church than mm-hmm. they are to online people. And just be, the point is, just because someone has a massive following doesn't mean they're perfect, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, hopefully this man will turn and acknowledge the error of his ways and like all of us. Um, but yeah. everyone, everyone has weaknesses. Yeah. And I, I think this is why it's helpful to be involved in the local church, not just there once a week, but, you know, as they say, like having your feet under the same table as a lot of those people on a regular basis. It's mm-hmm. like, um, wouldn't you rather emulate somebody like that, mm-hmm. that you know intimately? Mm-hmm rather than somebody you see on a screen that will never, ever talk to you, never mm-hmm. say a word to you. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe I can uh, bring up another sort of area where we can yeah. illustrate this contrast. A lot of young guys, uh, they, they, they're, they're craving that kind of plain speech and that sort of truth-telling, um, but then they will find that in the wrong places. Yeah. If you know what I mean? Like I take a guy like Andrew Tate or yeah. whatever. Like it's like, okay, yeah, you're brash. You're, you know, yeah, you point out a lot of stupid things that people are doing, but it's like, you're not a good example. No. And um, I think a lot of young men, they see the, they see the thing that's missing and they, they gravitate towards it uh, without realizing, or maybe without caring that they're also taking in all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's just an example of that worldly strength, worldly wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there's weaknesses there. I mean, he's a good example because the, he's right about a lot of things and wrong about a lot of things. And there's moments where I've, you know, been put to him about, like, the guy can't repent. Mm-hmm. And he he always has to project, I wouldn't change a thing because it made me who I, I was like, oh, you're you're just... Yeah. A child who's incapable of acknowledging weakness, yeah. and the irony is that we're all looking at you weak. You're weak for that. Yeah. You should say, "I was wrong about that. I don't think that anymore." And you know what I mean. That shows real moral strength. But he completely lacks that, even though many other areas of his life he's very disciplined or whatever. Um, but part partly this is acknowledging our weakness just as creatures, right? It it says in Psalms. Ninety twelve, teach us to number our days; we may gain a heart of wisdom. Thirty nine four, make me to know my end, O Lord, and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. I mean, we need to make sure that in our pursuit 
of um, families and business and church and public and all of these things that we don't do so with what losing the awareness of our finiteness. And I've thought about this as I'm literally laying in bed, incapable of anything else, thinking, what is the point of my life from here? And it's like, you don't, you don't, you could be in the middle of your business startup and you could get cancer or your wife could, or your child could, or God could allow things to happen in your life that totally throws a wrench in your plans. And if you can't overcome that, or if that's too great an obstacle to your narrative, there's something wrong with your thinking. It's not in accordance with Scripture. Psalm 40, 30, I've been thinking about, even youth shall faint and grow weary and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. And I just want to maybe close on this um, as a practical advice. The way that we get power from God is by waiting on Him. This is repeated over and over and over in Scripture. Young men growing weary is a way of saying, even the strongest among us are weak. That's the point. In Acts 1.7, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. The mission that God has given his people can only be completed in the strength that he supplies, and that is given by his Spirit. And we see that the church waited upon him, called upon him in prayer, for that gift to be given, for that power to be given. First Peter 4.11 says, whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. And finally, Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So whatever it is that the Lord's given us to do in the home, in the church, in business, in the public sphere, whatever it is, we are to do in the strength that he supplies Practically, that means prayerfully seeking the strength that we do not possess. And you won't do that if you think you have it. Mm. And I've been meditating upon this, and I've been thinking about this, and one of the litmus tests is whether the joy of the Lord is our strength. One of the characteristics of the re- kind of the reaction to feminism and stuff is anger. And a lot of these guys are united in their resentment and, and anger, often rightfully, against these lies and injustices. But someone who's at strength and bike, and anger can be a powerful motivator, and it can it can provide a, a strong strength for a limited time. But the only strength that will last is the strength of God, and that's characterized by joy. And a joy in walking closely with the Lord in meditating upon his word and enjoying fellowship and confessing our sins when we are out of fellowship with the Lord, to be reconciled to him, to be reconciled to other people, um, you know, all of these things, this is where the strength for our mission comes from. Hmm. Not from us, but from him. Hmm. Well, that's really encouraging. Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't really have any final thoughts or anything like that. I think you kind of said it all. Can I read part of Tennyson? Sure, you? yeah. I'll close on with Ulysses. Sure. 
Um, I've been thinking about this this a lot too. I've never read uh, any Tennyson. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Though much is taken, much abides. And though we are not now that strength which in old days moved earth and heaven, that which we are, we are, one equal temper of heroic hearts, made weak by time and fate, but strong in will, to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. By God's grace and in his strength. <laughs> I'll add that part. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll leave it at that, other than our usual uh, call out at the end. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him and all nations serve him. We'll see you next time. 